0: Well, happy Cinco de Mayo. Today on the show, it's a monumental day, a day of celebration. So it was leaked that the Supreme Court has a majority decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. We dig into why that decision was leaked in the first place, and then we'll also look at what this means for the pro-life community. And then we'll dig into a new Discovery Plus series and show why it's so important for fathers, to do their thing at this time and be real fathers. And then finally, we'll look at the brand new HBO documentary about cult leader Gwen Shamblin and that hair boy. We'll talk about all that and more on today's show. Hey guys, welcome to the show today. Thank you for watching. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Sharing is caring, to be a good citizen, a good, a good conscience-minded individual, you need to make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Um, and wanted to let you guys know that uh, I am now on Twitter. I waded into the waters of Truth Social just to see kind of what that was about, so we're there, we're also on TikTok. And we're I'm releasing kind of information all the time about the show and different things that are going on in the world, so I think you'll really Kind of find it useful and find find it informative because I try to aggregate things from a couple of different perspectives and not just kind of you know market the show which I do do but I also try to try to provide information so I think it's a I think it's a good follow you know uh, if I can say that so so make sure to check us out there you can do that at Reed Huberman or at the Indie Thinker wherever wherever we're on there, Um, but but I I also wanted to kind of share with you why I'm doing what I'm doing, why I want to try to present that information. I'm a trained theologian, which means I'm an armchair philosopher, and I'm a Christian ethicist, so the, the reason I even do this show is that I try to provide information and try to provide what I call practical theology. So theology very often can be like ivory towerish, and it just is inaccessible to people. And so what I try to do is just do current events and try to provide a Christian perspective to those events or a faith-based perspective to those events, or at least my faith-based perspective, to those things that are going on so that we can think about them and so that we can so that we can understand there are different ways to look at these things. And it is my hope that not necessarily that you'll think like I think, but that the truth of what I am saying will will resonate with you because so very often you're just you're just straight up being lied to. There's just pure agenda, and there's not even an acknowledgement of the agenda. At least I'm trying to tell you, I'm a Christian, I'm a theologian, and that's where I'm coming from, but I think we desperately need some of those thoughts, uh, especially as they become less mainstream and are pushed out of the public square, I think it's refreshing, hopefully, to hear from somebody uh, who is kind of espousing those ideas. So it's my hope that you'll, you'll find that on our social media platforms and then also on the show today. And we'll be following along, too, with a real big story as we start to uncover who leaked the Roe v. Wade uh, majority decision document by Alito. Uh, we're going to try to put that out there. Now, we'll talk a little bit later in the show exactly. Uh, why it was leaked in the first place, but I think we all know the the leftists are already, and Democrats in the media, which are the same thing, by the way, uh, are already declaring this person a hero to the republic. But um, but I have some thoughts as to why this thing was leaked that I think you'll find interesting. So we'll dig into that in just a moment. Before we do that, I wanna make sure that you know that this show is sponsored by our friends over at Element Funding. Now, I've told you, multiple times, every single time we have this show, because Element Funding is a longtime sponsor of the show, that it's important for you to secure your family's financial future. But it's also important for you to support businesses that care about the things that you care about. Why? Well, because then you're actually helping those ideas proliferate in the culture. And you know that the people who you're supporting are not going to be taking that money to support you know, uh, advertising campaigns for things that are that go against what's in the best interest of your kids and in your family. No, when you when you support great businesses, they support things like, like this show. So I wanna encourage you, if you have any mortgage needs, to go over to the folks over at the Kevin Blair Team uh, with Element Funding. So you can do that by going to KevinBlairTeam.com and you can do that today and also get you close to the place where you can lock in a a low interest rate. Now I know interest rates are going up and it's going to to be, by the end of the year, I hear through the grapevine, around the sevens. So as you can tell, it's an important, important time to secure your family's financial future by going to KevinBlairTeam.com today to get pre-qualified for a home Loan. So if you have any mortgage needs, go over there, let them serve you, they'll do great by you, but then also while you're there, let them know that Indy Thinker sent you. So it was election day in my city, and so we voted on some uh, city issues the other day, mayor and all, all sorts of other things, school board, all that kind of stuff, and my wife sent me this quote by JFK, and I wanna read it for you. Um, it says, let us not seek the Republican answer or the Democratic answer, but the right answer. So my wife is fully on the right, so when she sent it to me, uh, she was sending it to me because she thought it was well said, and indeed, I, I think it, it is, but it also seems like from a time gone by, um, uh, the, the irony is that our current political situation is so different that I'm not sure that that saying fits well within our distinctly different time. I mean, there there's a whole group of people who believe that they know things that just ain't so. Now, I'm sure JFK had his share of people who were dead wrong and believed they were right back in his day, um, but we're living in an age of ideological deception that I think is is vastly, is vastly different. To be sure, deceived people are on both sides, so I want to just be really clear about that from the outset here, but there is one side of the aisle that has mainstreamed deception, and it's a feature. It's not, it's not a bug, it's a part of their worldview, and I, and I can prove it by visiting our friends over at MSNBC, where the fake Reverend Al Sharpton hangs out, and I'll show you Mehdi Hassan. And this clip that you're about to see will show you that these guys are just really unself-aware of how wrong they are about what they think. So here's Mehdi Hassan talking about left and right.
1: I mean, it's easy in American discourse to talk simplistically about the far left and the far right as two equally dangerous fringe blocks. Elon Musk has done it plenty of times just in the past week. But here's the difference. America's far left wants to give us free health care and free child care. America's far right wants to give us white supremacy and no democracy. And this asymmetrical polarization of U.S. politics would be laughable if it weren't so horrifying. We are living through an unspeakably dangerous moment. The pro-QAnon, pro-neo-Nazi faction of the Republican Party is poised to expand dramatically come the midterms. We're just two years away from Donald Trump, very possibly reseizing executive power. If that happens, we may look back on this past week as a pivotal moment, when a petulant and not-so-bright billionaire casually bought one of the world's most influential messaging machines and just handed it to the far right.
0: Now you've probably come to the place where you expect this kind of unselfaware coverage in, in the media, but, but I wanna point out a couple of things. So all America's far left wants to give us is free childcare and free healthcare. That's what Hassan said, all right? That's all they wanna do, that's it. So now he's the one that brought up the people who want to give you free healthcare and free childcare. So these are the likes of AOC and Bernie. So he brought them up, not me. So the perfectly sane left wing of the Democratic Party has gone on record to say things like, because of climate change, the world will end in 12 years. So here's AOC saying that perfectly normal and totally fact-based comment.
1: I think that the part of it that is generational is that millennials and people, and you know, Gen Z and all these folks that come after us are looking up and we're like, the world is going to end in 12 years if we don't address climate change. And your biggest issue is, your, your biggest issue is, how are we going to pay for it?
0: And then you have other perfectly sane members of the left, like Rashida Tlaib going on record saying that they would like to abolish all federal prisons. So here's a clip of her saying that. In
2: 2020, you endorsed as, uh, the BREATHE Act which yeah. is a series of proposals to transform America's criminal justice system mm-hmm. and create quote a roadmap for prison abolition. The Breathe Act proposes emptying federal detention facilities within 10 years. To what extent have you wrestled with any potential downsides of releasing into society every single person who's currently in a federal prison? Yeah, I,
1: again, I think that everyone's like,
2: "Oh my god, we're going to just release everybody."
1: That's not That's what, what the- I'm... Taxes. Yeah, but did you see how many people are mentally ill that are in prison right now?
2: No, I know but the act that you so endorsed keep, actually gonna, says release everyone. But in, in ten, 10 years.
1: years, but think about it: who will release? But the there imp- are like
2: human traffickers. Oh, I know child sex. So, but I you're mean, saying, do you mean that you don't actually support that? Because no, you endorsed the bill. No, I
1: endorse the Breathe Act and looking at federal the policies and how we incarcerate. Absolutely, but it says in there. But you cannot. You cannot. You cannot
2: just blankly say oh look she wants that's not what i'm but that's like in plain text
0: okay okay (laughs) i know these leftists are insane but you'll have to see our previous shows for receipts on what i'm about to say but it but it does get even worse open borders with record encounters at the border in 2021 and on pace to demolish those milestones in 2022. gotta have goals right i guess Uh, they're the party of abortion up to and after birth. Look at California Bill AB 2223, which says that up to 28 days you can abort your baby after birth. They're the party of genital mutilation, the party of destructing women's sports, and need I say more. And so he goes on, Hassan, to say this, that there's a pro-QAnon, pro-neo-Nazi faction of the Republican Party. Is there? I just enumerated radical policies that have been mainstreamed by people on the left. So show me the neo-Nazi mainstream policies of the right. Just be careful, don't start talking about things you don't like and then say those are neo-Nazi. Bring up specific examples of pro-Q, pro-neo-Nazi stances that the Republican Party is issuing forth. And I'll save you some time. Since there aren't any, you can go ahead and say, this guy is full of hot air. So the real question on all of this is how do we see past our own blindness? For one, we must oppose people for their own good. If you believe in the mantra of my truth, you'll be blinded and you'll never know the truth. That is a social injustice, that is a personal injustice, especially to young and impressionable minds that are being shaped by unbridled moral relativism, which is a staple on the left, and being taught in prestigious universities in America. So we need to stand and we need to push back. But as optimistic and sunny as I can be about the way things are, I have been covering a lot of stories lately that do give me hope that things are changing, that we might actually be able to tell right from wrong. And and the purchase of Twitter by Elon and DeSantis standing up for children in Florida is a bright shining light that is emerging in the midst of our time. The Supreme Court is overturning Roe v. Wade, which is the biggest development in our country in half a century. So I can't help but be optimistic today and say the days of postmodernism, neo-Marxism, and moral relativism may be coming to a close. Maybe they've run their course and we realize they are bankrupt intellectually and spiritually. So today is a day, it is cause for celebration, so I hope we can sit back and recognize the moment in which we're living in, it's truly a beautiful thing that Roe v. Wade is about to go the way of all horrible, horrible unconstitutional laws. But it's also a time for us to recognize a vital thing that I hope we don't forget in the midst of the celebration. I hope it reminds us that the fight is not in vain. Christians and conservative minded people are the majority in this country, but they have lacked the real initiative to use their better ideas and cultural influence to make a difference. And we've seen the repercussions of that. It's, it's deadly. We now also clearly see that lives are at stake and we can save those lives if we stand. And this is where I have to step back and just say I'm not a Trumper, but Trump deserves credit for his Supreme Court picks. They've changed the game and they've saved and will save lives. So politics do matter. And if Gandhi was right when he said that you can tell the merit of a society based upon how it treats its most vulnerable members, then we may be turning over over a new leaf in the American West. We may be on the precipice of of realizing the bankruptcy of leftist ideas. And we may be ready to jump into soul-fulfilling, soul-satisfying answers. But let's see. Let's red pill ourselves into reality today and let's see how far that rabbit hole really goes as we dig into some of our headlines. So according to pro-abortion places like the Guttmacher Institute or Guttmacher Institute, uh, here in the U.S. we've been killing about a million babies each year, but that may be about to change. So in a leaked document that was given to Politico, Justice Alito gives the majority decision for the Roe v. Wade case that was first brought up in Mississippi and then was brought to the Supreme Court and was you know, uh, was talked about last year, and then we'll eventually get a ruling sometime this summer. And I want to share some of the wording of this majority decision by Alito because you will not hear it on the news because they're so busy stirring up strife in the American public, which we'll get into in a moment. But they're so busy doing that they're not that they're not they're not interested in telling the truth. So before we jump into opinions and get misled, here's what Alito actually says. Justice Alito writes, in this hardcore opinion against Roe v. Wade, quote, We hold that Roe and Casey must be overruled. The Constitution makes no reference to abortion and no such right is implicitly protected by any constitutional provision, including the one in which the defenders of Roe and Casey now chiefly rely, the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment. That provision has been held to guarantee some rights that are not mentioned in the Constitution, but any such right must be, quote, deeply rooted in this nation's history and tradition, and, quote, implicit in the concept of ordered liberty. Washington versus Glucksberg said this, the right to abortion does not fall within this category. Until the latter part of the 20th century, such a right was entirely unknown in American law. That is such a good and important point. Indeed, when the 14th Amendment was adopted, three-quarters of the states made abortion a crime at all stages of pregnancy. The abortion right is also critically different from any other right that this court has held to fall within the 14th Amendment's protection of liberty. Rose defenders characterized the abortion right as similar to the rights recognized in past decisions involving matters such as intimate sexual relations, contraception, and marriage. But abortion is fundamentally different, as both Roe and Casey acknowledged, because it destroys what those decisions called fetal life and what the law now before us describes as an unborn human being." Dude, so I love so much of that. So you can go back and you can look at that yourself, but I just want to say this. The strong statement here against Roe and Casey is important to note because it, in ways, was also shared by the extremely liberal justice, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, before she died. Here's a clip of her saying that almost very same thing, or eerily reminiscent things to what Alito is saying in his majority decision.
1: I thought Roe v. Wade was an easy case, and the Supreme Court could have held that most extreme law unconstitutional and put down its pen. Instead. The court wrote an opinion that made every abortion restriction in the country illegal in one fell swoop. And that was not the way the court ordinarily operates.
0: Okay, so the point here is that Roe is primarily being overturned because it is bad case law. RBG called it extreme law and even said it could be considered unconstitutional extreme law. Now, now a whole generation thinks that they actually have the right to murder their unborn baby. So the media is so interested in narratives rather than the truth that they have not once ventured to tell you that this actually, this, this decision by the Supreme Court actually only returns power to the people away from the federal government. Roe v. Wade gave sweeping powers to the federal government on the issue of abortion, and the court said, we don't have the right, and never did have the right, to assume that power. That's what this decision really says. Now, this is historic, not only for the lives that eventually will be saved, but also because this is a rare instance, and we need to take note of it, of our court system pushing away power rather than greedily gobbling it up. Supposedly, the Democratic Party is the party of the people, but they're shrieking like a bunch of demons who just caught a glimpse of Jesus out of the corner of their eye because the federal government is actually releasing power to the people. Whatever happened to the power to the people movement of the 60s and 70s? Oh yeah, they became old liberals. Now, they should rejoice over this, but of course they're not because abortions are unfortunately still very legal in America. And this decision only just says... This decision is going to the states now to decide, so calm down, leftists. But this does bring up a good question. How did Politico even get this leaked decision before it was made in the Supreme Court? Nothing like this has ever happened before. And whoever did it deserves to feel the full weight of the law. But why was it leaked? Seems clear that there's two reasons. One, this was leaked to try to gin up crisis for political gain. Democrats love this. They've gone on record as saying they love it. And again, the media is on every front declaring this is a woman's health crisis when nothing has changed except states get to decide based upon their constituency. But Democrats love crisis. They love it because people think emotionally when they're in crisis. They can't think clearly when emotions are high. So please, please, please don't let this work. Make it backfire on them if you're in the middle or even on the left and you believe in free and fair elections and that those are in the best interests of all people, then please vote with your conscience here. And don't vote for a party who wants to obscure the truth. Show them that they cannot continue to gin up crisis and try to get you emotional so that you, so that you react instead of think. But the second reason is more probable and definitely more diabolical. The release of this document is intended to put pressure on justices so that they will change their mind. So what do you call it when the full weight of the media apparatus or the Democratic Party, which they're so incestuous boogers, there is no difference between them when they collude to stir up threats and intimidation of Supreme Court justices in order to subvert their decision and subvert democracy. Well, I was reliably, reliably told that January 6th is just the same issue and that this is insurrection-like behavior. We don't know who leaked it, but I'll guarantee you that it's somebody on the left. Uh, who did this. So we'll be following along and, and I want you to follow along with us so make sure you're following us on social media in order to uh, to see this story as it develops and we'll try to figure out who this person was when the media does and um, and then let you know the why behind it. But but here's the implication of this. Um, the big sort, I think, is a good thing and it's something we're really seeing right now with political refugees fleeing blue cities and flocking to red cities and and then... People saying like, don't, don't California my Texas, and don't California my Tennessee, and don't California my Florida. Um, I, th- I think ultimately this is a good thing because now you have a right to decide. So, so these are the people that say, my body, my choice. Well, we're giving you a choice now. Before, there was no choice. And by the way, if we're gonna make this a feminist issue, the women who are pro-life, they get a choice too, don't they? And now they have one. Now they can go to a state that doesn't have radical abortive policies as their procedure. And they have the, the, the choice now to live in a state that supports the things that they wanna vote for. It actually puts not only power back to the people, but it actually is democratic, what just happened here. And of course, that's not what you're gonna hear from the radical, mainstream left because they think that this is a subversion of democracy and now it's time because they care so much about democracy to ins- to destroy the filibuster so that they can ram through federal overreaching policies that absolutely subvert the decision of the Supreme Court but also subvert the will of the people. This should be decided based upon the desire and the will of people within those states within those cities, within those states, who say this is the kind of society that we want to build for ourselves. So the big sort is this kind of reorganizing of states around political ideology, which now gives people the choice to really decide where they want to live, where their tax dollars should go, and what they want to support. So this is really, truly a good thing at the end of the day. and. This does provide us with opportunities Um, and uh, a guy that I've been following, a guy named Lucas Miles, who is a, I would call him a Christian theologian, uh, certainly a Christian commentator, and then also an author who has written uh, prolifically about the progressive uh, Christian left. Uh, He recently released this video, so so I wanted to kind of dig in a little bit further into what he's saying right here because, yes, I believe what's happening right now with Roe v. Wade and Casey is an opportunity for the church, but I also want to I also also want to elaborate a little bit further because I think that that his uh, his thoughts miss something that's important for us to recognize. So here's him talking about the development of what's taking place in the Supreme Court and what that means for churches, what that
2: means for pro-lifers. Where Roe v. Wade is overturned, what, what appears like it is happening. Then the church has to be ready for what that means. You know, if abortion is is made illegal in your state, is your church ready to take in women that need help? Are they are they ready to, to do counseling? You know, for families and, and single moms and, and you know women out there that find themselves in situations that maybe they didn't intend you know or expect to necessarily find themselves in. And so this is where the church really has to step out. The, the the work to overturn Roe v Wade is the beginning of the pro life movement, and then the real work for standing along you know families. And you know, I think that's one of the progressive arguments is that. You know, conservatives only care about, you know, the baby, you know, before, before it's born, born, you know. <laughs> and and I think that the church has to show more than ever that we care about life, you know, from conception to the grave, and and, and we care about even beyond there because we care about people's ultimately, uh, their eternal life. And so this is a historic time, but it's a time for the church, I believe, really to shine.
0: So so I think uh, Miles is right here. This is a great opportunity for the church to rise to the occasion. However, I think his comments miss something vitally important for us to underscore because I hear all the time... Uh, people on um, people on the left, and even some Christians say this, that we don't need to just be concerned with babies in the womb. What about babies that are being brought across the border? So, so I want to I clarify real quick. Christians have, stereotypically, they have and will continue to care about children, not only in the womb, but from birth to death, from cradle to grave. Every single church in America, for the most part, has ministries dedicated to infants all the way up into adulthood and, and beyond. Not to mention that pregnancy centers around the United States are supported by and large by Christian businessmen and churches. The, the bulk of funding comes from these sources of, of people, and Christians are a third more likely to adopt children than any other segment of society, than any other group in society, and I, for one, can count on more than two hands uh, and and keep on going. Uh, the ministries that are dedicated to not only helping Christians adopt, but also helping Christians enter into the foster care system. So, Christians have been on the forefront of this issue. It is nothing but a lie to say anything other than that. Christians have been dedicated to helping children in and out of the womb, every single Every single person within the church knows this. People who are cynical, um, cynical don't. Or people who are just uninformed. So I, I want to make sure that you guys know this. And, and by the way, um, kind of to underscore this, there's something called safe haven laws in almost every single state in America. This is where that kind of old ancient idea of the baby being left on the doorstep or the stork dropping off the baby, where did those babies come from? Well, this this is an old law that was instituted long ago called safe haven laws. And those safe haven laws mean that if you have a baby and you cannot take care of that baby up to a certain amount of time, you're able to just drop that baby off totally anonymously. You don't have to report to the state or anything like that. You can drop that baby off and that baby will be placed into the adoption adoption care system. Now, is it great? No, but it's better than the alternative. It is better than death and never seeing the light of day. The fact that that's even controversial, I feel like I should almost justify that, but I'm not gonna justify it because it would be ridiculous and inane to suggest anything other than that. That murder is better than allowing someone to have the opportunity to overcome difficult circumstances. So undeniably, the church has been on the forefront of this and will continue to be on the forefront of this issue. Now, uh, maybe churches need to gear up, maybe churches need to get ready in ways that they haven't in the past, and maybe they need to become alert in ways uh, that they haven't in the past. Sure, I'm on board for that, but please, 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 please understand that right now, Christian men and women are on the front lines taking care of babies um, and, and and their parents who have decided to go through with having their child and not get an abortion. They're in the process of helping those, those families find jobs, find education, have all of the resources that they need. They're on the front lines fighting this battle and have been. So I don't want to suggest anything other than, than that because it doesn't give credit where credit is due. And then I'm just going to say this, um, so for those of you who are uh, pro-abort pastors, or you say, I'm pro-life, but I'm also pro-choice, let's just stop it with the inanity. We need men especially to rise at this hour who are going to stand up for the truth and and who are going to affirm the truth, which is that Christians are in the in, in the business of protecting and securing life. But we really need men to stand up to, to, to ensure that that message is heard, which will bring us to our next headline, so a new Discovery Plus series dedicated to young boys dressing up in drag shows just the kind of weak and pitil- pitiful fathering that has plagued our country for too long. So here's just a little bit of the trailer for this new show.
1: What? And I am transgender. Have you talked to mom and dad about the pictures? Don't what do you think of taking those photos down? The constant reminder that we had to pretend I was a boy. Do you think a am would ever want to watch me do drag? How do I explain this to my child that she doesn't fully accept novella? Making friends has been a hard thing for me to do. When I'm becoming Nemo. Whoa! Become more confident.
2: Let me make sure you are appropriately fluffed. <laughs>
1: this transition has been difficult for them, but
2: Ooh, look at that.
1: they try and that's all you can ask for.
0: It's important for the kids to understand that they're not alone. So my mom started Draguton. Kids and their families are coming from all over the country where we get to be our true selves.
2: Oh God, this is happening. It's <laughs> Vanessa Shimmer!
0: This is a place of love and support because
1: we need that in this world.
0: This is me and you better like it. Now, let me just say about this show, every single parent in America knows you're the one who gets the ticket if your kid doesn't have a seatbelt on. uh, Because kids are not able to fully comprehend the risk of their actions, so it's parents' job to help them do that thinking. It would be utterly selfish to refuse that duty and to take, uh, take that responsibility and place it on kids. They're not capable of that decision. That's a parent's job. But the fathers you see in this trailer for the documentary are nothing more than window dressing to prove that the nuclear family should sit back and watch as their kids make life-altering decisions, and that a father's role is just to sit back and support. But I disagree. A father is not there to provide. They're also there to protect, to help kids think and to process and avoid dangers that loom ahead because indeed the very essence of being a child is to jump headlong into danger. But parents are now sacrificing their kids and allowing them to jump into that danger by sacrificing them on the altar of the parent's recognition so that they can get virtue signaling points or whatnot. And so they're allowing their kids to codify very dangerous behavior at an early age. In fact, fathers who sit back are allowing this kind of behavior to create in them a sense that it is normalized because social cues don't just come from social media, folks. They come from parents. So the host of this new Discovery Plus series, Tyra Banks knows this all too well because back in the day when she had a talk show, she dedicated an episode of that talk show to toddlers and tiara. And there she shined a spotlight on some of the issues with very young kids, two and three year olds jumping in to beauty pageants. So here's just one clip from from that episode.
1: Next question. Um, My question's for Megan. Would you rather be pretty or smart? Oh, would you rather be pretty or smart, Megan? I'd rather be pretty. (gasps) Really? Why? Because I don't want to be that smart, but (laughs) I'd rather be beautiful than be nerdy. So smart equals nerdy? Kind of. Mom. Okay, you got to help us out with that. What do you think about that, with your daughter saying that? Well, I think think she'd rather, I I, I honestly believe she would rather be pretty. But Megan is a smart little girl as well. I mean, she's in the gifted and talented program. She's a straight-A student. But she realizes that being pretty is not everything. She's pretty on the outside, and she's pretty on the inside as well. Okay, you, you gave her a nice PC answer, but she, uh, she said something totally different.
0: So now to be sure, this show was very careful with the kids right there in their midst to shine a generous spotlight on toddlers and TROs, but it also deals with the subject in a sensitive way that I think we're lacking today. Um, so it, it, it deals with the dangers of forcing your kids onto a stage at the age of two and three and shows that it might be actually harmful as you can tell in the question. I mean, the question was, was so intelligent and so beautiful because it really highlights the danger of some of these things. But you can rest assured the Discovery Plus series here is not going to do such things. They're not gonna venture into the pitfalls of this kind of behavior. It will not talk about brittle bones associated with hormone blockers. It won't talk about the fact that most kids grow up out of their gender confusion if they are left alone. And they won't definitely get into the fact that biology matters and is real and to fight against it is not only to fight against yourself, but to fight against your creator. So for those who care, there are real consequences for this kind of thing that we're seeing on this show, which we see in a heartbreaking headline that just recently was released. So Kaylee Posey, child star from Toddlers and Tierra's is dead at 16. No cause of death was given, which is typically an indication of suicide and most likely drug-related. This, this is unfortunate, and our prayers go to the family, especially around Mother's Day. But I hope this serves as a reminder that dads and moms are essential in helping their kids navigate the complexities of life. Throwing them in toddlers and tiaras at an early age may not have been the best idea. No more than what is going on in this Discovery Plus documentary. So it's not our job and never will be to affirm our kids, it's our job to help them stay away from dangerous decision making. Or more importantly, it's our job to make sure that we are not self-centered in our desires to virtue signal and that we sacrifice our kids in order to get recognition for ourselves. All right, let's jump into our final segment today, Christianity, Not Today. So I recently jumped into watching some of the Way Down documentary, enough at least to gain a a good understanding of what the documentary is all about. So before I jump into kind of an explanation of the series, I'll let the trailer for the new HBO Max documentary, The Way Down, explain itself to you. So here's that trailer.
2: (laughs) Yes, something just exploded out the middle of the lake. It was a huge explosion. The search continues after a plane went down into Percy Priest Lake. Gwen Shamblin's
1: husband, Joe, is presumed to have been the pilot.
2: Seven passengers are presumed dead. They are leaders of Remnant Fellowship. Are you a prophet?
1: I don't know what my gift name is.
2: You're watching an interesting documentary right now. Yeah, Way Down, I think it's called. It's about this religious cult losing weight through Christ. It's bananas. and Fellowship has an incredible amount of control over the minds and thinking of its members. They recommend that you, in a will, leave your children to the church.
1: When you do not obey, you are separated from God.
2: You hurt people over a period of years, and there's going to be karma or payback. God has something to do with this.
1: When Gwen Chamblin died,
0: it set forth a catharsis.
1: I was nervous to speak up for years, but I just can't remain silent.
0: So Gwen Shamblin is a guru of sorts, a cult leader that was responsible for writing a bunch of books about weight loss and Christianity and associating those two things together. Um, and by the way, I think in some ways legitimate and in some ways false, because I, I've heard friends say in the past, you know, we're talking about drinking and smoking but then the pastor up on stage is like 100 pounds overweight and like we're not going to talk about that as sin because it clearly may be. Um, So so needless to say, uh, I think that kind of dichotomy there shows the issue with this documentary. So it's essentially about a cultish kind of personality that allowed the fame and the notoriety to get to their head. Um, And speaking of getting to their head, um, obviously, I just want to just say something very clear that I think should be obvious to everybody by now, but apparently it's not. Like the hair, speaking of the head, the hair is a dead giveaway, guys. Like when your hair gets that crazy, that is like, that's that's somebody begging you to call them out. That's somebody begging you to stop them in their suicidal tendencies. That is like before the Kool-Aid, you know, comes out, the hair gets that wild. And it's, like, it's almost like the bigger the hair, the crazier the cult. Um, now, I don't want to pick too much, but I mean, it's just like, what is going on with that? It, it really does seem like it's it's a dare for those people. It's like a, a test, a litmus test for their allegiance. If somebody says, hey, what's going on with the hair? They know that they're not going to be like a faithful member of the cult. Um, so needless to say, the hair is insane. And if your pastor gets hair like that, beware, male or female, because I've seen both, so just be careful. But back to the whole kind of like dichotomy of like the weight loss thing being some like perversion, uh, you know, maybe yes, but maybe not, no. I, I I think I've seen this a lot lately, especially with Christian documentaries. There's this victimization overreach where people want to try to become victims. And so here's a quote from the documentary just to, to kind of illustrate that. So somebody said, where does all her money come from? It comes from us. Well, you know where all of Jeff Bezos' money comes from? It comes from us too. But I never hear anybody complain about Amazon, strangely. But victimization goes further. The the idea that to suggest that people are overweight and should portion control seems to be a pretty rational idea, but people are saying that they're being victimized by the fact that they were told to portion control, that they were being body shamed, as it were. Now, I have my own misgivings about that rolling into like a theological paradigm for a Christian church, but let's just be honest. When documentaries are desperate to try to prove that there was some conspiracy, conspiracy desperate to prove that there were victims where maybe there wasn't, it makes the documentary stupid. And it makes us not want to listen to the rest of the documentary. What it does is it, it, it makes the real story obtuse it makes it kind of in the background rather than on the forefront which is that this woman probably again flew too close to the sun like these guys do when they get too successful and that we need to have a robust conversation about celebrity pastors we need to have a robust conversation about the mega church and how big churches with big money can be a problem and ends up being one but otherwise, we just suggest things that don't exist and suggest, you know, uh, travesties that didn't really happen. And then the people like me who watch it, who use the smell test with these kind of things, come away saying, uh, "I don't, I don't even know if they're telling us the truth about anything." But it seems clear that there are moments where certainly this woman allowed fame to get to her head and absolutely crossed a line. This is specifically so with uh, with some of the allegations of. of of child abuse, not by this person, but by members of the church. So without having the time to go into that, I'll just say this. I'm a Shiite evangelical Christian, you could say. Uh, I'm a pretty devoted uh, evangelical Christian, uh, as it happens, and I would probably know about things if they were happening in the church, and I have never heard of this woman. And trust me, that hair, not easily forgotten. So I would, I would know this woman if she really had the kind of cultural power this documentary suggests. And I'm just sorry, to me, I, I look at this documentary and that's what it seems to me. It seems to be a hit piece against Christianity rather than to actually provide real factual, factual evidence. And so let me illustrate that for you. And then I'll also illustrate another important point as far as that's concerned. So in the doc, a cult expert says that a cult is a group of people who share a belief that is not mainstream. So by that definition, Transgenderism is a cult. So it's a group of people, again, relatively small, out of the mainstream, who have a belief. So I can go one step further. Transgenderism is also a group of small people that believe in something based upon zero historical or scientific evidence. But that's not the real definition of a cult. So no thanks, expert. In fact, the dictionary definition is, quote, a relatively small group of people having religious beliefs or practices regarded by others, now here's the, the point, as strange or sinister. Well now come to think of it, that also sounds like the transgender community. So I guess you got me, what I was trying to do is find a way to call the cult of transgenderism a cult. But, but here's a more succinct definition of, of what a cult really is. It's quote, a misplaced or excessive admiration for a particular person or thing. Now that's a little better. And it does show that this Gwen Shamblin thing was a cult. And it shows that you need to be aware too of the misappropriation of the term expert. Don't believe everything you hear from these experts. So don't believe the Biden HHS, and don't believe the CDC when we're told blindly that these are the experts. That's a logical fallacy called an appeal to authority. And it's intended to try to make us just believe whatever these people say, and believe that they're immune to mistakes, which is ridiculous. So in every way, this seems to be more a collection of supposed experts and people who have butt hurt coming out to try to expose a church that may or may not deserve it on certain counts. I would say this, there certainly seems to be issues that need to be addressed and should have been highlighted in the documentary and there are things that take away from the documentary that cause it to be a little less serious when they show the butt hurt people and let them just air their gripes openly and strike back at the church because they were disappointed or, um, or saddened by something that took place at the church that by any objective standard is not really an issue. Like we can go back to the portion control thing again. So, so for that reason, I just wanna say this, beware of the term expert and also beware of documentaries like this. So to this HBO documentary, The Way Down, I say this, not today. Oh yeah, and definitely to Gwen Shamblin and that crazy hair, definitely not today. All right, thanks so much for watching. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. We'll catch you next time. You can catch brand new episodes of Indie Thinker with Reid Uberman every Monday and weekly bonus episodes to keep you thinking throughout the week. But you have to subscribe and click the bell to be notified when new episodes drop. If you enjoy this content, make sure to like this video and share it with friends.